Hi guys, this is Ryan and on behalf of Harry, James and myself, welcome to the Coaches Room, where we speak to coaches around the world and hold discussions about the game we love. You can also find this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Anchor. Thanks for listening, enjoy the podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the Coaches Room, this is episode 8. Today we're joined by a very special guest. Phil, do you want to give yourself a, a quick introduction, a minute or so? Uh, yeah, well, look, I'm Phil Trill. Um, I coach in the west of Ireland here. Um, I'd be heavily involved in elite level female football in the west of Ireland. And I'd be involved with the male side of the game with Go United. So it's Go United, Go Women's FC. And I do some auxiliary work for the FAI. Great stuff. Great stuff. As always, we're joined by Harry and James and myself. Um, today's topics we're going to cover three questions. So in which ways can we help improve youth new? youth nutrition external rewards in football are they a positive or negative tool and do we sometimes forget why kids take part in football let's crack on with the first one um harry i know this question kind of you were inspired by weren't you um so in which ways can we help improve youth nutrition harry fire away well i just think it's a topic that we don't discuss discuss a lot and um i think it's important for every athlete out there and obviously as we just gone from lockdown as well and um, obviously, we've we've had a lot of time to self-reflect. I'm just thinking along the lines of: Do we focus on it at all um, in in the clubs that we've been at? Do they focus on it? Have we ever heard or have we ever thought about any ways that we can we can help? Our, obviously, it's down to themselves because you know we haven't got any control, and obviously, the parents are going to be very close to them in this aspect. But us as coaches, do we have any ways of helping this area? I think kind of uh, an example I've seen at Preston, I know uh, this is probably the last end of, of, of the youth level at under 15, 16, but sometimes the boys would be tra- being training Friday afternoon, two till four, and then they play a match, you know, seven till half eight. And there's a cafe, you know, down the road on, on, on the site of the training. And, you know, the coaches encourage them to go there, spend some time together. And if they want to get food, it's almost a kind of guilty thing to them. The coaches kind of say, you know, think about what you're going to eat. Think about what you're not going to eat. And it's almost that kind of just thought process of like, you know, will that actually help me or will it hinder me? I don't think there's much kind of learning about what nutrients we should be having, you know, protein, carbs, fats, that kind of stuff. But I think it's just going in at the youth age that we just try and be sensible, you know, that you just try and be sensible with your diet. How how do we think like like know yourself, Phil? Have have you ever thought about dealing with this in any way or any matter, or have you just kind of like left it? Well it's, well, it's tough because on the like when I've coached the under sixes, you know, like anything they put in the system is just going to be burnt straight away. You know, it's not the end of the world what they really. You know, obviously if you know they're having a McDonald's twice a day for six days a week and then they're having a roast dinner the next day you know obviously that's not going to help but you know if they're in this environment already you know the parents are quite you know switched on and most of them you know want to encourage them to take part in sport you know they seem to you know they drink water instead of you know your fizzy drinks and that kind of stuff already so that's a good kind of implication or like kind of sign for me that says you know that they're not eating junk all the time do we have the same perspective, Phil? Do you have the same perspective? Um, yeah, like in, in terms of nutrition, you know, I, I think what's crucial there is going to be the environment they're in. Um, so their home environment and their home space. Um, because with all, with all the greatest intentions, um, the majority of parents will send their, their kids to school with their packed lunch and, and, and then you see the little inclusions of treats and the inclusions of little bars and stuff like that. It's 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 really like getting across the moderation is so so important, and then I suppose once you start hitting elite level, and elite level for us in Ireland is sixteen, seventeen, um, then it's more prevalent. But I wouldn't say it's monitored. Um, we we have an app here at international level that they use called Actimet, so the players will uh, have to put in their um, their diets. So they'll have to put in everything they've eaten. And it'll help in terms of workload and periodization for for the sessions, but it's it's not something. Um, I think it might be something that we possibly 
glare over a bit too much and kind of expect, oh, they'll get the food pyramid in school and that kind of crap. Whereas we could definitely do more of it. Yeah. Uh, because here in Spain, what happens is, and I just remember when I was playing, at the age of 14, they made us go to the pharmacy once a month and we had to go on one of these scales that, you know, indicated pretty much a basic, um, it gives you a basic piece of paper that gives you enough information for, you know, a coach to just be able to register uh, what kind of scale you're at and how much fat you're, you're carrying. And I remember that it used to be quite important. I was, I was at an academy level at the time, but I don't know, like nowadays, if there's, if there's any control over it, because, you know, there is quite a lot of obesity across the, you know, across the planet. And um, if we go into some, you know, countries and states, um, you can see that, that a lot of young kids, even young kids, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, they're looking unhealthy and you can see that they're not going in the right direction. So obviously it's not our place as coaches really to, to go home and obviously cook them dinner. That's their parents. But would we be able to touch on any of it during the season? Will we be able to speak to those parents? Because I know for a fact, like Wenger, Guardiola, and I've read a few different books about professional managers. And one of the first things they've done when they've got into um, any new club is, you know, make sure they bring a nutritionist in, make sure they bring, that, that they cook in certain types of food. So, okay, it's not going to be at a professional level, but is there any ways or forms that we could do it to help them out while they're in their growth period? I think there's stuff that we kind of can say, like, you know, my, my challenge to you is maybe, you know, write down the five, you know, the five a day you have three times a week and then you bring it to me on a Sunday, you know, that kind of, or like who can eat like the most different kinds of veg. Or I suppose it could be, it would, it would definitely create self-awareness now of actually what, because now, nowadays the kids, then when they're eating, they're normally doing something else. Like they're eating, but they're thinking about their phone or, they're eating and they're watching TV. So there's not really a lot of conscious eating. Let's just get it in my mouth and can I leave the table as quick as possible. Having to write it down, would that help um, them be self-aware of what they're putting on? So we're not talking about six, seven-year-olds. Well, even, yeah, maybe six, seven-year-olds. Well, it, it keeps a track or an agenda. The, easy, the younger you can do it, the kind of the better in a way. Like It's not just about football in a way. It's just kind of your own physical health. Like The younger you can kind of learn that, like my greens are good for me and maybe that kind of coat I don't need to have. I can have a water instead. You know, the earlier you can do that, the better, surely, you know, for sport. You know, if you actually want to do something with the sport, whether it be playing or then going into coaching, you've got to understand that, you know, your diet plays a massive part. I think they the take it as a challenge, like you say, right, at, at six, seven, whatever, but they'd have to be at that level, kind of your side of things rather than mine, where you've been like pre-academy type thing, I, I, I couldn't, as a grassroots coach, couldn't go in and try and change stuff like that because I'm just a volunteer and out of one hour a week that I see the kids, I couldn't really go and say, try and do you use think, my time up for that type of thing. No, no, do there's you no think that there could be? Do you think there could be a way to do it away, like kind of away from coaching, coaching, um, you know, where you say like, bring back, you know, you've got to do, you've got to write down one piece of fruit or one bit of veg you had every day and bring it to me on the, the Thursday or whenever you train, you know, and you do that every week. And, you know, you might not do anything with that information apart from read it. And then you, you kind of clock like, oh, it's just about creating X habit, player isn't, isn't, yeah, exactly. So X player consistently isn't, you know, eating five a day or, you know, they're not doing this work. I can kind of yeah, give but you, do you think that, an idea of who they are. Stick to it? Do you think they'd stick to it? Well, I think it's down to you kind of, think? well, exactly. And then you've got, I think you need buy-in from the parents then. And that yeah, goes definitely. back to kind of youth, youth nutrition. It's hard to say that. Yeah. Um, That's the question. Would, would it be? Would would the conversation be with the kids, or would the conversation be with the parents? For me, I, I'd say it would need to be just somewhere that parents know they can come to us rather than us approach them. Because I think some might take it the wrong way and kind of think, "Well, you're the football coach. You're not like your your job is to make them better footballers, whether they're they're overweight or underweight type of thing." you've got to like deal with what you've got kind of. But I think we should be just one of the people that they can go to and kind of say, Harry, 
I know you do you coach my son or daughter football, but can you give some advice on this type of thing? I think something that that kind of strings quite nicely into this, and we said about, said this right at the start when we started doing this, Harry, is kind of don't be afraid to say I don't know, but I know someone who does know. You know, when we were saying about this new with nutritionists, like, I, you know, I don't know how many you know, how many grams of protein should be in a day, but I can put you in touch with like a consultant or a specialist or, you know, there's someone who lives around the corner from me who's got a bit of knowledge in this. You know, don't be afraid to It'd say, It'd be interesting I don't know. to know, at your academy, like a person knows, as it goes older, and maybe Phil can tell me now because I know he's coaching older groups. Is there a nutritionist at the club? I don't think there's a specific nutritionist, but I think they have people who come in and then the coaches are also kind of informed on a bit of knowledge, you know, so they can support to an extent. What about you, Phil? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's upskilling the coaches um, in terms of our end because of the financial restraints. But there is, there is a nutritionist in the boys club, the, the Go United club, there is a nutritionist there who works with the underage teams. But again, it's more so at the start of the year, so it has 13, 15, 17s and 19s, uh, he'll give a talk, he'll, over, he'll go over the importance of water, the ratio in terms of your food plate, um, and then that'll nearly be it. Whereas once you get to 19, then you're looking to monitor your food. And, and likewise in the girls' uh, side, we monitor their food in terms of they have to fill it in on an app, we get it. Whether or not we delve too much into the inform into the information that's put on the app is up to us, or whether how we read it or construe it. But it's um it allows them to become intrinsic and allows them to make better decisions, knowing that someone else is watching. Um, so I think it's I think it, it it's worked out well for us. But of course, not everyone can get an app like that. So the likes of a food diary that you mentioned there, I think, can be really beneficial for for children, even at a young age. Just take note of what they've taken and take note of what they're being fed because um, they're the ones, as you say, usually most people now multitask. So they'll eat something. They might eat, for example, a child might eat a bar of chocolate whilst watching YouTube. Well, us as coaches, our job is to make them unconsciously competent at making better decisions. So how can we get that child to eat a banana whilst watching YouTube? Yeah, I like that. I really like that. I'm not sure whether to say him in uh, in Spain or in Ireland, but you'll tell us. Uh, if so, I had a friend when I was in high school who played for our local academy, and one day a week he'd go instead of coming into school, he'd go to the academy, and kind of be taught there. And I was just I never asked him, but I'm guessing this is the kind of thing that they went over in terms of nutrition stuff that they can't teach on the pitch, kind of that sort of stuff. I think that would be an interesting way because then when they get to that level they can be all taught the same thing. It's about like giving the same message on, on the topic. Yeah. I, I want to kind of throw a bit of a what if question up there. So around kind of how, how can we actually improve, how, well, help to improve the nutrition within youth. What if you're dealing with a family or, you know, a group of families within your environment who are struggling to get, you know, struggling to find the funds to eat really healthy, you know, because it's not cheap at all anymore, you know, it's not cheap to eat really healthy, you know, there's a real cheap accessible food, you know, McDonald's, do like, I, I don't even know myself, like one ninety nine for a burger, you know, there's so much unhealthy stuff for such cheap, you know, and for people with monetary issues, like, it's obviously going to be a struggle for them to then go and pay a fortune. I think it's mainly, a, I think it's mainly a struggle because of discipline. Apart from obviously the fact that, fine, at the end of the day, um, as you say, it's cheap, but it's how you feel and what you get from that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can go to a supermarket and find, and you know, for two quid, you can find enough food that is healthy. Well, supermarket isn't probably the best idea, but still, there's, there's better options than a McDonald's for sure. Nice. But at the same time, I think they need it, you know, their kids, and it's, it's that debate, isn't it? It's, it's, I think it's also about, like, when they have it. Yeah. Um, a question of when, like, just the consciousness of when we're having each food. And, um, yeah, this might actually take us into the next question. It does. It could be something related. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's shuffle it on, then, into question two. Oh, Alexa in the background. <laughs> Take a look at that. 
Right, external rewards in football, are they a positive or negative tool, Jamesy? Yeah, so it's something I've I've looked into quite a bit with. I did, did bits of it in my dissertation at university, just the kind of what do we as coaches like our parents to offer the kids? Because some, some say, I'll give you £5 for every goal. Some say, man of the match. Some say, I'll buy you an ice cream. One, is it beneficial or does it have negative impact on the player and their development? And two, do we have any kind of input on it? Could we jump in and say, can you stop doing that? Or vice versa, like just kind of opening the floor up to that. Yeah, just to pause you there, Jamesy. Aaron, welcome. You all right? You okay? I'm, I'm well, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, good, day. good, thanks, mate. Good. Um, we were just on external rewards in football. Are they a positive or negative tool? Um, yeah, so can, I've read a book recently um, called Legacy about the All Blacks. And um, and it, it teaches stuff like, you know, people will work harder for the intrinsic reward rather than the extrinsic you know, that feeling of pride and satisfaction of completing a job rather than a monetary or a, a physical reward is actually a, a real driver, but people don't seem to notice until they get the intrinsic reward. What kind of, does, does anyone else have any kind of relation? Like, Definitely. The, the, I'm, I'm going to well, 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 jump in because there's five of us now. And if not, I'll probably forget as always. Um, but Phil said something really interesting. I'm just going to link it up to this. It's, what's surrounding you is, is what's important as well. And now with so many digital platforms, there's so much materialistic things that are surrounding us on a daily basis and not many um, people as such, and even like surrounding family, friends, have that intrinsic evaluation of themselves. So just be that by their surroundings, they're already in a struggle. So unless we have the ability, which is tough when you're not doing it yourself, to um, show them, for, for a start, what an internal um, evaluation of, of oneself is and create that self-awareness inside them, we're going to struggle massively to, um, yeah, to actually manage to get them to evaluate themselves for what they've done rather than what they're going to get. Well, like, no, sorry, James. No, no, I was just, just saying... Is is the external reward not an easier thing? Like Oh, definitely. Oh, I think oh. that's why, I think that's exactly why kind of the intrinsic reward when you get it is so good because it's harder to get. I think it's after, after a certain age as well to start realising about the intrinsic. Usually the, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 age group where they realise what they get out of it themselves rather than stuff on the sides. But more so I was thinking, say, say there's an under seven, under eight player and uh, dad's coming along to watch the match. And dad wants to see his kids score, so he says, I buy an ice cream after the game if you can score a goal. Whereas that kid's playing the first two quarters of the game in defence. And like, how does that affect our job? Yeah. Trying to, them to play their game, whereas they know they're getting this extra reward if they do what they want, kind of thing. Right. I think there's a real valuable kind of um, real value in like a pre season meeting kind of thing you know before the season kind of saying to parents you know look we don't want you giving these crazy external awards where they're going to you know ruin the flow of the system if I've got your son at the back or son or daughter at the back and you're saying you know it's two ice creams if he scores you know it's conflicting with what my approach is so kind of setting that baseline of you know here are the standards I expect or you know here's the kind of guide we're going to follow I think that can really pay dividends. Aaron. Right. So to flip the to flip the question, right? If instead of two ice creams linking to the first question, it was two apples, would you accept that? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> good question. I don't think there'd be healthy, healthy, be healthier question. <laughs> Just, um, can I jump in there? Yeah, of course, Phil. Do, 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 um, as coaches, do any of you select your players? as in select them to be in part of your environment or is it the case let's say in the academy that selection is done and you're coaching uh yeah it's more selections done and then we coach there's there's a bit of leeway there's a bit of say but obviously we wouldn't have the final decision when there's someone over us if if in in, in where in where we are if we find someone that's um motivated by outside sources um the only sources that 
they should have their intrinsic and internal motivation in terms of our in, in terms of our culture. But we will actively like I'll sit down with my striker and I'll say I want you to score twenty goals this season. But it'll be more of a fluid conversation. Well, how many goals do you think you'll score? Well, I might score eighteen. Okay. Well, I want you to score twenty. Yeah. There's no extra motivation bar the intrinsic factor of going. We set a goal. I set a goal. I was involved. I hit my target. And it's something that's an overarching kind of um, imbalance or, I suppose, bridge to success for them. They have a clear, logical target. Whilst they're still looking to win every game and perform well, they have that clear, logical target. If, for example, and this again, this is only my opinion and my outset, if, for example, we had a parent that was saying, oh, well, I'm going to buy her five, six, seven, I don't know, whatever is nice something nice I'm not a very pleasurable person but um, and it was affecting her decision making or his decision making that's when we'd have a problem you that see. would be a clear clear factor other than that if, if, if there's no clear evidence that it's affecting their decision making uh, let's say there's an open goal and they're trying to they try to dink the keeper or something like that you know where they could have squared it um, about that creed that, then you'd probably go into some factors or some problems. I think I like I like that Phil that you kind of said that when it became intrinsic that the moment that he or he or she had an input on the goal, like you said, it was a flow conversation. You went, I want twenty goals from you this season, and he said, he said he or she said, you know, I think I could get eighteen, and there was there was input from both sides. Whereas if you see it from a parent's point of view, they just give and they never actually say to the kid, do you actually think you can do that? It's just I want to see you score two goals, whereas you've kind of gone, I want to see you do it, but do you think you can? And then they've gone, yes or no, or I think I can score this amount instead of that. And I think that's when you start to buy in with the intrinsic factors, you know, when you get them involved in the goal setting. Um, mm. Aaron, I think that works can. really well, what Phil's saying, because it's, it's kind of a mixture <laughs> of both, internal and external, isn't it? It's kind of, the player wants to get that 18 to make himself happy, but then they know if they get 18, the two off making... You yeah. are really happy, yeah. Phil. Exactly. So even though it is internal in terms of they want to make you happy and they want to make you proud and stuff like that, it's still an external reward kind of knowing it's an outside thing that's being you, the coach, is happy with them. Yeah. Right. Third time lucky, Aaron. I <laughs> <laughs> um, I that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of, you're, you're more focused in the one-to-one business, doing, doing really well from, from what we all see. Um, do you use external rewards? Uh, no, I, I'm a very intrinsic uh, focus with the players. So often if we're working on, uh, that's what I think today, um, like movement and first touch, for example. So often we'll do the activity, work them through what, uh, what level they're at. And then after we've completed it, my first two questions are, what are your strengths? what do you value as your strengths from that activity and what do you think you could strengthen? And I, and a lot of the time, the first responses from different age groups, from like eight year olds to 14 year olds, there's that. I don't know. I, I don't know what my strengths are. I know what my, they, they always say something about what they they could strengthen and get better at, but they had lack of um, ability to answer the strengths. Now for me, I've sussed this out in the last, month or two with the players I'm working with at least where they don't know where their strengths are because they're not practicing enough to have their own thought process where they don't like have the confidence or they don't um sort of a lot a lot of the time they think if you're asking a question it has to be negative to try and solve um solve something and I think that going linking here to the external some of these individuals that I work with um more so in the past I've I've seen them in their own team environments and I'm aware of parents like I've seen that the money money being involved with it uh score a goal it's a pound uh and so on and so on and I've found that that has basically disrupted their learning and disrupted their development because then that player just completely loses their their focus on what they're actually there for like that I like that. We're just going to swing it back, Aaron. I want to get your view. We all had a big discussion around um, youth, youth. I'm struggling to say this tonight. Youth nutrition. <laughs> how can we improve it as a coach? Obviously, you know, we can't go and cook meals for them. Harry said that before. 
Um, but how do you think we can help? So it's a it's a great question because uh, for me it's I I know for a fact it's not my my strength um, Love as, that. A, as a coach. Um, so I for me I try to try to avoid offering advice to players where I don't have that that knowledge of it. Um, but in terms of ways to try and help them uh, it, in a one-to-one environment or uh, if you're in a group session and you, you have that introduction chat on the way into the session, it could just be, you know, what do you have for dinner tonight? You, you could, like, start a conversation off there. If you're starting to hear that they're going for their, their fat foods all the time, again, there's not – personally, I don't think there's much you can do. There's things you could, you know, you could, could maybe show them that it's not – you could probably show a sign to say that's not really the best idea, but it's not down to the youth player itself. It's always a parental thing. I don't know many um, below under 16s that are cooking for themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a long way off that. Yeah. Um, so personally, yeah, I think it's a very difficult. Uh, I think it links links in with the intrinsic thing. If that player has a a real belief in development and then and they want to go somewhere, I, I, those are the players you'll probably find that have that interest in it apart from that it's uh what time's dinner mum what time's dinner dad yeah definitely definitely right we're just going to call it there and we're going to get a quick tea break um and then we'll jump back in for for the second part thanks again for listening to the coaches room podcast to express an interest in taking part as a guest in a future episode send an email to the coaches room email at gmail.com use the subject virtual round table and include a bit of background on yourself who you are, where you're from, and what age group you coach. Let's get back to the second half of the episode. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Coach's Room, episode eight. We were currently on the second question of tonight's topics, external rewards in football. Are they a positive or negative tool? Harry, I know you had a point to make. Um, Do you want to fire away? Right, it could probably mix between the two, the first and second question, but... Especially in the second one, um, what do you guys think about uh, the fact that obviously eternal rewards create a lot of dependency? So we've we've touched a lot on it. Uh, I love the topic of self-awareness, and uh, Aaron said something to do with it as well. Where by giving that external reward, the reason I'm doing something ends up being reliant. So. The reason for me making my decisions is always controlled. I mean, we've talked about this from coach's point of view as well. When the coach wants to do something or, or win the game or whatnot. So he says or gives certain information which reduces the capacity for a player to actually make a decision. So if there is an external reward, how far um, are we, how much are we confusing the player and how much dependency are we creating on I do something because I get an external factor? which when it gets to you know the elite level and that's not happening and i don't receive the award what happens do i stop playing football do i get frustrated have we encountered any situations like this before i can say that i i know people who've kind of made it to that to kind of the the, the youth kind of player development phase and um, and i think that the one key message that I've found with them is that the reason that they're getting to the top is because they love the game. You know, if you go back to kind of their core belief, like why are you actually playing this? It's like, well, I'm not actually thinking about the money that I might be getting at the end of the month or, you know, the contract that's waiting for me in two years. It's actually, well, I actually like football and I enjoy being out there and it's where I feel most comfortable. What about praise? What about praise? That's another one I want to talk about. I, I think I, I see, I'm going to jump in on this one because I've seen a lot on social media about uh, criticism of one-to-one coaches, <laughs> uh, which we love. Um, and I've seen it steered towards may, maybe more starting fresh with one-to-ones who haven't I've done it before, where someone said that they're overpraised and they're constantly saying, repeating the word quality, quality, quality. And it, it's not. Um, and basically, there was an argument about praise and sort of that energy. That for me, as a one-to-one coach, it's a, a lot about energy, uh, especially in that setting. And you're trying to, you're going to say more positive things to try and gain that energy. If I was going, that's poor, that's poor, that's poor, 
So they've got to just go, can't be bothered with this. So I think that, I think praise has a place. Obviously, I do think it's selective um, in terms of how you're wording things. I think it needs to be positive, but it, you can't, you shouldn't lie at the same time as well, because it is the word unlucky. For me, oh, that is a pet hate. It. Real pet yeah, hate. I can't, I can't deal with that one. Yeah, that one's gone. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I stand on. I think there's a, there's a certain way to praise. I think you have to be you're very selective with it. I, th- I think we we kind of we spoke about it quite a lot recently, haven't we, Aaron? Me, me and yourself that you know like the reason that I found myself kind of answering you know when they're saying like why are they always saying quality quality or you know quick quick quick, you know the people are you know if they're paying they're paying for that attention on that specific player you know they're not in the group of 14 where that attention can't be given they obviously need it or want it you know and we're there to then provide it you know we're not doing it because well for us or you know for for a video that we're putting out to everyone for everyone to see it's actually because you know they're paying for the 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 specific attention for that player i want to know i I want to know aaron one sec i want to know phil's take on this uh, praise the process, not the person. That's the way I would work. Oh, um, lovely, short, <laughs> short, and simple. I love that, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'd work. Look, I, I I'm fortunate enough. Um, I dovetailed kind of completing my A license with finishing a master's in education, and one of the big things in in, in education theory, or let's say most recent educational theory because it would be redundant in two to four years time because that's the way society grows but was there's a big difference to saying you did that really well and that was done really well and it's about how you deliver that pro or that process-based feedback um will create internal and intrinsic motivation going back to what we were speaking about earlier um there is no there look there is no harm with the younger ages and the youth development ages really, really young and saying, uh, or the academy ages and saying, well done, you know, that, that's fine. But if, if, it's, if it starts becoming more personal and personal feedback, um, I, I think you can run a lot of risks of overinflation of players at times. When, when we uh, get, on, that, look, on, that, on that point, though, I think, it's, yeah, I think you've done it really well about, say, um, praise the process because amongst the uh, individuals and children I'm working with at the moment, there's a massive variety, obviously, with uh, different ability levels and where they're at in their development. And we're going back to what I said earlier about the two questions I ask after an activity. And I do it like three or four times in a session. What's your strength? What, was, what could you strengthen? That, that's like, then we go into the activity stage to have another go at it. And I'll refer back to what they think they could strengthen. And that's what we're trying to praise um for me like that so i'm going into a personal so then that's linking in with the process side of things which i think is fantastically quoted as i say yeah i think there's definitely there was something i read in in that in the legacy book as well it was like you know praise the effort not the skill or the the kind of attribute that they, that they already have praise the effort because you know anyone could perform the given skill but it takes the people who want to do it to give the effort and you know, honing in on the, the the thing that makes them stand out, kind of the effort which they can control is massive. The danger is if you start praising the person, you'll start praising the result. That's the real that's the real danger for for coaches because if you don't praise the process, and they're only focused on the result, and that's where they're getting praise. Well done, you've won the World Cup. You're the best person in the world. Well, hang on, like. It goes back to the intrinsic feeling of, all right, this is my motivation. I want to become better for me. If you're saying I've done well, brilliant. That's your decision. That's your outlook on it. But I want to know myself that I am on a journey where I'm continuing to develop. Because we, we, we have a mantra here. I'm, I'm big on these little short and sharp quotes. Um, if you're not growing, you're slowing. And that's the environment we create. It's it's um it's basic it's simple growing is in capital letters slowing is in capital letters um but that's that's the fundamental aspect because you need to constantly look be looking to improve especially with young players because there's so much area for growth yeah. and so much time to grow especially well right now yeah definitely it's, it's also the best time for them to absorb everything they're, they're sponges at that age 
So that, like mm-hmm. you say, it's the perfect opportunity to help them grow into their, um, their stronger areas. Lovely. I think you're right as well in what you say, Phil. It's, uh, it's kind of how we do it in our environment. So Aaron, like you say, it's what are you good at? What are your strengths? And what could you strengthen? Whereas some people without really thinking about it would say, strengths and what you what are your weaknesses and then straight away you're putting a yeah. bad thought in the head of what am I good at what am I not good at not what could I get better at because some of their, their strengths might be still what they can strengthen if that makes sense because like you say yeah, about deliberate, I deliberately do it I deliberately do it to make it that positive um, mindset but it is interesting though with that I think that when we when coaches step in and then talk about external rewards, external input. So a coach is always the external input in the player's development. Players will often see a coach's input, I think, as a, it need, it's always something to, about how to get better or what they're doing wrong. So often when, they, when I've asked the question to people who aren't used to hearing the question, they're always able to answer what they could strengthen because they feel that's the, what they should be doing, not actually being confident about themselves or uh, looking for that intrinsic motivation of right, I know I'm actually good at that and I'm going to back myself when we we kind of at Preston we obviously we have to do kind of a report on the players you know a bit of a PMA report and um, and one of the things that we were quite adamant on at such a young age was kind of giving them strengths and then super strengths not strengths and weaknesses you know because then they look at how can they get their strengths into a super strength not how can they get their weaknesses into a strength it almost takes them that next level up you know, and it's about that process of almost transforming from negative to positive in a way, isn't it? You know, mentally. Yeah, going but, you want, but you want it to be, you, but you want it, I think you want it to be internal as well. You want them to be able to answer and, and, and answer their own question on that as well. Because as I say, I think on the whole question of external rewards, I, I think it's, for me, I, I'd, I'd see it, if I was putting a nutshell, I think it's a negative, a negative, I'd rather, I think it has to be internal. If, they, if they're looking to go further, I'll just can I just finish on what I was saying. My point, I didn't really get the second part, but Aaron, I look at some of your your like uh, recap videos, and you see people hit top bins and side net and stuff like that, and that's when you jump in and say what a finish stuff like that. But then mm-hmm. sometimes you come across some and they've hit the middle of the net, and the coach is saying, "Oh, brilliant, well done." Whereas in reality, like as soon as there's a goalkeeper in that goal, goal, that's not a goal. Yeah. yeah. So yes, they might have scored, but they still still a chance to go in and say it could have been better if you know what I mean but I think some yeah, of the that's, ones that's that's just kind of next. no you're, yeah you're spot on I think there's uh, there is an element of the the video uh, showing off side of things with, with coaches and there's that's what social media is these days um, but yeah so that's, a, that's another podcast <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah right lovely great Really great chat on that topic. Um, let's move on to the third question. So, do we sometimes forget why kids take part in football? This was kind of my aim, my kind of angle on the question was that, you know, we sometimes forget that the kids just want to play and enjoy it and have fun and, and all the, you know, enjoyment that comes with playing football and learning. Do we sometimes think about maybe the tactic side or the psychological side or, you know, the four corners, you know, the nutrition, like before, you know, the rewards, do we sometimes overcomplicate it? And maybe at such a young age where they just, they're half of them, they're just thinking, I just want to play, shut up. I mean, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, be, I'll have to kick it off if you want. Yeah, fire away, mate, fire away. Um, I'm just going to say that for me, in the whole lockdown, um, obviously being taken away from it and then coming back into the system again. For me, it is really hit home the fact that when you, when I'm going back to, when I've been training um, with kids, there's, there's been sessions where we're there to do football, but that's what, we're, that's what we're signed up for. But half the session, there's been some sessions where they are just gossiping about what they've been doing or what they've seen and stuff. And they're so excited to tell me that because it's someone outside their family. And there's been, and I found that actually I've sort of gone, you know what, sometimes they're just involved in this, uh, in football, because of the social aspect, because it's having a friend, because it's getting to talk to someone, making um, new contacts and stuff. And then uh, that sort of hits home with me at times and thinks, you know what, like the percentage of these kids that are actually got anywhere, they're going to end up in professional football, 
very, very slim so that actually let's just focus on the fun but see what we can get out of their their potential. Yeah, I think that I, I, I can talk from experience here on, on the most recent coaching course that the, the tutor was, you know, delivering like a practical session um, in front of all of us. And, you know, they obviously want people to take part and I was keen to get involved like most people are. And when you're playing, you're just looking at the, you know, you, you're, you're, you're just focusing on the game, you know, you're not thinking about anything else, you know, oh, psychologically, what, you know, what corner am I working on here while you're playing? And then, you know, he'll stop it and he'll talk about the four corners to everyone else. But like in your head as a player, I was just thinking like, well, let's get the ball rolling again. Come on, like, let's just play football again. And that's something I really tried to take back home with me was that, you know, almost you want to feel how a player feels as well. You know, you want to just be right. Let's just play as well. You know, there's got to be that element as well. And that's sometimes what we forget. Does anyone else have a kind of input on that? Phil, I'd like to get your input on this. Um, yeah, just just in terms of like, we, I've always kind of had the idea, or I suppose the the romance of, um, and I know it's very in vogue, I suppose, of possession-based football. Like everything we do has to be fun because you don't go in the back garden when you're three years old and say you're a footballer with no football. You need to have the ball, and, and, and the majority of the time you have the ball, and the ball is moving during your sessions and in your environment, that's, that's enjoyable. It has to be enjoyable. If it's slow and mundane, and if, you, as you said, you know, you're stopping and talking about the four corners, I know that's a coaching course, but if you're stopping and saying, well, why are you doing that? Players switch off. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's about creating an environment where they again motivate themselves to make decisions and you just you might just you might stop for 10 seconds or you might stop on a water break or during a throw-in let's say if you're coaching a phase of play you might just say you okay there yeah oh actually no I might I might move because that's what it's going to be realistic into the game but it has to be enjoyable and that the ball has to be moving there was a survey there's a study out there I read in March and it was taken over a I'll send a link on she It was taken over the majority or a lot of um, European academies and 20% of academy coaching during the session was non-existent. So as in 20% of sessions were transitions into new games or water breaks or downtime. So how can you be having fun if we're like stopping things and going, oh yeah, we'll pick up these cones and go on to the next cone and go on to this. So, like, I think for us as coaches, like, we have to plan in order to let them have fun and let them have, let them be creative. And I'll give you one more saying, because um, I, I just have a Rolodex of them here in my hand. <laughs> but um, no coaching is better than bad coaching. And just let the kids play, like, you know, because... It's, a, it's another famous you're saying. Right. Like, yeah, it's another famous saying, like, the game is a teacher, isn't it? You know, let them play. <laughs> I think I did yeah. my did my level two quite recently, so we've got quite new like topics on it, and uh, it kind of challenged me to change from just a normal session of warm up practice game to I think we talked about it on the first episode why right? the whole part whole of give them that game first because that's what they're there for is to be able to play and be sociable and like play a match, and then take it into the the bit of the session you want to improve, and then go back to a small sided game. And for us, that's really worked. I know for some it doesn't, but they kind of get there for the first 10 minutes. We're not telling them what to do. We're kind of coaching. So whatever we're working on in the session, if it's passing, finishing, whatever, we'll coach that, we'll praise and we'll try and improve it. But we'll not, we'll not tell them off if they're talking too much or tell them they've got to pass the ball every time, kind of let them find out for themselves. And then we'll try and improve it from there. And kind of like, like say, they come in full of energy. They've not seen... Our, our team isn't full of people who go to school together, so they, they probably don't see each other until that Wednesday night of training. So they've still got to kind of like say hello to each other and like mess on a little bit, and then we're reining them in from there. And I think that's something that really works for us. I think that's something that's so important that just as a life skill that you know, like you're meeting people outside of your environment, you know, and then they become you almost form a new environment, don't you? Like, you know, they don't see each other in school; they see each other twice a week but they can come in and say, hi, how are you? You know, and just chat about anything because they're just kids at the end of the day and they are just there for fun. Like, 
<laughs> it's as simple as that, isn't it? Like they want to have fun. If if they're having fun, they know, will it's learn. The it's the context. It's the context, isesn't it? Because yeah. if I put it into like so one to ones, they they often the players are coming to one to one session because they're there to they want to be pushed, they want to be developing more so. They still want to have fun, um, but they're there to they're there to develop. Whereas team trainings, um, often it is a lot of social aspects, and so if the coach isn't able to get in his coaching points, then he's got a plan better. And like knowing when, what is the most useful, rather than trying to get five coaching points, might just be one coaching point. You don't have to stop the game to make the coaching point. It's a simple one coaching point in that game. I, I, I'm, I'm torn, in, and torn in the sense of, like I said, I, I do think that the game is a teacher. And I think that you, you can let the game flow to, to teach based Definitely. on the, obviously the group you're coaching. There is an element of coaching that becomes late without putting this in the wrong context, but like it can become lazy where there will be coaches that hear that and go, oh, that's fine. I'll just turn up yeah. set a match, and I'll, I'll just start off talk. You still have to pay attention to the game and then maybe throw in some drive-by coaching, pull a player out 10, 15 seconds, throw him back in, the game carries on. Um, so I think it is, it's quite a careful one. Um, which I've seen, as I said, I've seen it myself where the lazy coaching comes in and then it's, it's a challenge. I think that the drive-by is kind of the new thing, isn't it, Aaron? Kind of mm. when, back when I used to play, it was, right, I want to make a point. It might be to the right back, which is one out of 20 players on the pitch. So I'll stop everyone and I'll explain this point, which is really towards one person, whereas he could have just changed his coaching position, got close to that player, then when the ball's on the opposite side, he could have just said the word in his ear kind of thing. And, and a positive, if you're flinking on the flip side, pull a player out, 10, 15 seconds, you've got a slight overload or an underload on a match. That's not a, that's not a problem. It gives a, it gives a team of, um, something to face with. For well, it's like... Seconds, you know, like um, we get, yeah, we get. So you sometimes get odd, odd numbers, and and I'm personally not the biggest fan of a floater. Like I, I see the benefits and obviously drawbacks, and they can't score. They hate that. But, that's a, that's an instant thing. But if if you just say right, you're playing on that team. They've got five. The other team's got four. Get on with it. You'll actually see maybe the the team of four work harder. You might actually see them win. You might see the five actually become a bit lazier. You maybe swap them over. And you'll see a whole switch in mentality. And, you know, that'll happen in the game as well. Oh, we've got one less man because all our subs are injured or, you know, we've got no subs or a red card. Deal with it. <laughs> you know, like, mm. ju- just just enjoy the experience and k- try and learn from it. Absolutely. Can we throw this across to Harry? He's very quiet. He is. Harry, you've had well, quite a lot of players who have moved moved from kids to young adults, haven't you? I seen your post today about a player you had since he was eight. So how does that like kind of does that change as they grow with you? Um, I don't know. I I always believe that the problem we have now is every single session that they do is structured. You know, they used to play football in the street until the age of twelve. There was never there was never training sessions. There were never one to one lessons. I mean, honestly. If we had the one-to-one lessons and we gave them the choice whether to do a penalty shoot at a crossbar challenge and shoot it at the goal rather than dribbling through cones, high knees and all this stuff, what would they choose? No-brainer. Oh, the fun stuff, yeah. So, really what we're doing is trying to please their parents for a while because they haven't got the, they haven't got the capacity to do it themselves. Just but laziness. Do you, do you think that I agree with that, but obviously, do you think that there's there's obviously benefits to doing the dribbling through the cones, high knees, etc. But you've got to mix it in with the fun as well. You know, there's got to be the issue balance. is they can't play on the street anymore. That's Why? the issue. You used Why? to learn to bounce. You used to bounce it off off the wall, and you used to find ways to dribble past. You used to fall you, over. You used to put yourself up. I, and I, now I, we're dribbling through cones all day. I actually you know, disagree with that. Bouncing it off walls. I actually kind of disagree with that. It's not that they can't do it. It's just that they don't. Like that was honest to God one of my favourite things to do as a kid. You know, you play. We played. We called Kirby. You know, you try and hit the corner of the curb and it pings yeah. up. Or you play. But who used to show you those games? Anyone, my mates, my dad, anyone. But, Here you go. But, but what are they doing now? Yeah, but, when, when, but there's also no inspiration there. The like, um, there's video consoles that now step in as the yeah, replacement for for wall balls, sadly. If I was to jump in on. Um, 
like the dribbling through cones and all that stuff. Like absolutely, I've I've seen plenty of stuff on online in in one to one stuff again, um, which can look like a. I I personally have been through that myself a couple of years ago where I used too much equipment and it was thinking that's what it had to be like that had to make it look like Aaron Aaron it isn't a criticism to who does you know one-on-one sessions better or the worse it's not about that it's just if the question is we're doing it for fun why do we think we have to set up a session which looks beautiful and um, you know it, it runs really really smoothly and there's no there's no jokes because you know we've got to push it hard and you know, at the end of the day, why? Yeah. What are you doing? So, I'll, I'll, so what, one thing I've one thing I've been doing um, is I've been so with like dribbling pass and stuff. I I found that I create. Um, you, I think oh, I've forgotten Amy Price, um, who does you guys might have heard of with um, game formats in training sessions as a structure, and I've been pinching off some ideas and sort of made them into my own. So obviously Fortnite's a huge uh, game amongst youth players these days. And so when, when it's come to like some of my dribbling activities, some of my passing activities, I've linked everything to Fortnite with them. And I, I've learned a lot in this process. But I've been saying like, right, you've got to go in and out of there, but which is going to be this in that Fortnite game. And your character is going to do this. And like basically, it's all around this particular game that they reference to all the time. And they, they've brought so much into it because they, they believe they're in the story mode of the game that they, they reference, and I've seen... And, and mate, mate, it's probably because you're paying them attention. That's what exactly. the kids are lacking. Absolutely. You're paying no, them a bit it. of attention, and, and you're actually, you know, being a kid with them, and that's what they're lacking nowadays. They go into these yeah. training sessions, and they're so done up that they're kind of like, they're not really bothered. They're never going to remember where you're coming to anyway. It's just to impress everybody else that is watching, which doing exactly. what you're yeah. doing is, is spot on, which you'll be coming a kid for a while, and entertain, entertaining them, but at the same time, you're finding what's interesting for them and making you know, the session based around what's, what's in their interest. And that's why they probably I, love you to death and they really enjoy I've, speaking. I've seen, that, I've seen though, like with one or two, that coordination, if I talk to them in football language, like soul goal, outside foot, whatever, it goes out, but they can't get it. If I talk to them in a certain game theme, suddenly within like a minute, they're, they're doing it, but it's the same, the same skill, but it's just a different communication and a different thing in their head. I've been. Um, wouldn't it be awesome as well? Sorry, right. I'm just going to finish with no, it. Wouldn't it be awesome as well if the mum and the dad joined in the private lesson? Oh, that I mean, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been they, getting them I mean, I can't understand like, that the parents, they don't say, okay, I'm going to learn a little bit here because that would save me about 20 quid and I can enjoy some fun with my kids. So, you know what I mean? It's just so. Oh, yeah. Like everything now, like someone else do it. Can a machine do it? Can the you know? Can my mobile phone do it? Can yeah? Can someone I, I else think do the it for me? As well, has been um, often parents will say to me, they won't listen to me, they listen to you. But I could say the same message as a parent, but they'll say they listen to you because you're the coach. But they won't. Kids won't listen to their parents apparently. Like I've heard that a number of times, which is an interesting um, thing as well. Because I, I listen. I kind of, I, I really like a great little kind of debate that. Going back to what you said, Aaron, kind of about, you know, the, what did you call it? The Fortnite, sorry. I had the exact Fortnite, same. Uh, the Fortnite thing. Yeah, yeah, I had the exact same experience, but I had a kid who absolutely loved the Avengers. And I don't know if any of, any of you have watched it where I, I, I've learned it because of this kid. Like he, he loved the stones or something. They're called like the infinity, you know, there's, so, there's like six different stones and we do a shooting practice. And, you know, if he gets all six in, he gets all six of the, the stones, you know, that he wears on his glove. And then he gets to give it the big Thanos celebration of, you know, whatever he does. And it was all of a sudden, you've gone from like this kid who was disengaged doing it because, you know, his dad dropped him off. to then this kid who actually wants to be there, who wants to get involved, who wants to talk to you on his breaks and, and wants to actually, you know, try and win. And all of a sudden, you've got this massive engagement boost and this real energy to your session. And, and it's just because you've kind of made it fun for them, and it goes perfectly with the, the kind of the, the question that we promoted to you. You know, you know that here's a quote of uh, of all of you heard with like a kid from a kid's point of view. I don't care what you know until I know that you care. And yeah, it's a bit as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, you took one out of Phil there. <laughs> I did. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> that was written down. Be full of that this. was on this. <laughs> um, Can you get them tattooed all across my body? Jamesy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
Jamesy um, in Lomanga, you know, you take the under sixes, do a really good job with them. It always looks really fun and really engaging. You know, whenever I've been there with you and took part, it's so much fun. Is that kind of at the forefront of your mind? You know, we do shooting days, dribbling days. You know, is that part of your kind of process of setting up? I think it's, we could, we could set anything up, but linking to what Aaron says, it's then making a the connection between what we're doing to them. So there's a simple, there's a four corners game that I like to do with my like foundation sessions of three, four, five, six, several, whatever, how young they are. And then they're basically drilling into squares or circles, whatever. But then it's how can I link that, like we say, to something that they'll understand. So it might be a planet, it might be an alien spaceship or something. And then obviously it's then you become an actor within that session. You don't want is to just that, be standing there going... Sorry, James, just to jump in on that, going right back to the first topic, is that a way where we can maybe introduce nutrition? You know, right, let's go to the apple corner, let's go to the banana corner, you know, that kind of stuff as well. It can be used for learning. Yeah, I suppose the... Sorry, I've just, I've just had an image in my head of, you know, different coaches coming out. And then a the table, the table with a bunch of apples on and stuff like that. So oh, we've got God. to get one on, you could, depends, I suppose, it depends right? what age you're at, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah Talking the young ages of under six, under seven. And it's like, so I've done one, and it's been alien spaceships. And then you say, when you get there, you've got to do an alien dance or something like that. Just something that's kind of, it takes the, the serious side off it. And then we'll join in. We're doing something silly like that. And it's but just that shows them of, that you care, doesn't it, as well? Like going back to what Aaron said about caring. You know, it shows them that you care, you know, if you're getting involved with these stupid dances. It's, you know, well, right you've, got to, you've got to laugh at yourself before you can laugh yeah, at them, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. If they, if they think it's all right for James and Ryan to do it, then it's not as much of a thing for them to do it kind of thing. Love it. I want to ask a quick question to Phil, because I know he works with older kids, um, players. And I, would, I want to ask, at the age of 16, 17, 18, why do you feel it's the age that most fall out of love with football and leave the game? Um, I think it's the age you realise you're not going to be what you think you are. I think that's a harsh reality. Um, I think there there are obviously external factors, you know, 16, 17, 18. That's kind of... Definitely in Ireland, there's a culture of, oh, well, I'm getting near 18. Sure, I'll be able to have a drink in two years. I might as well have one now. You know, there's honestly that that's, no, that's a big right. part. Of, bang on. Yeah. Um, but I, I I do think it's a harsh reality for a lot of people as well when they do realise that. Okay, well, there's only a hundred elite players at nineteen, where there was two hundred at seventeen, for example. It's not cool either, is it? When they get that sixteen years old, they don't think it's cool to push for that football. Do they? they kind of think, well, my mates are going out in there. Spending time on the streets and stuff like that, so I think they don't want to be like looked them, at as that. Yeah, but the thing is, they can still play. So, is it the fact that we've built a unrealistic, probably reality in their minds, and then they've suddenly figured it out themselves? It's opportunity for them as well. Because looking back to my club, they got in the under 16s, and then it was then your options are you either go and find a new club where you've probably got a group of 15 already good friends who've played together for years, or you go and play senior football at the age of 16 when they're not physically ready, or you pack it in all together. And a lot of them packed in because they didn't want to become the new one in a already like fixed environment. Love it. Weird that, isn't it? It is. How insecure we are, we become when I 16, 17, 18, and we suddenly realise what reality is. Don't feel... I think as the struggles come in, you know, it's important going back to what we were looking at earlier that if they're getting praised as people and it's not actually the journey they're enjoying, then it's a waste of time because as external factors come in, they're easy. They're easy to be distracted. If you don't have that drive to be your best, um, then it's, 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 it's counterproductive and it's very easy to fall off. I feel caught to end the, end the, uh, in the coach's room. Love it. Guys, uh, Thank you so much, Aaron, Phil. Thank you for your time. Um, really, really appreciate it. Some great insight and, and thought-provoking kind of conversation there. Guys, thank everyone who's listened, watched the video, watched the highlights. Thank you so much uh, for tuning into the Coaches Room again. We hope to see you another time soon. Please feel free to leave some feedback on our social media pages as well.
guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the experience. Feel free to leave any feedback on our social media platforms at Coach Cosson, at Training underscore RM, and at Pogue underscore Coaching. Once again, thanks for listening to The Coach's Room. See you next time.